Welcome to Get Yourself Back, a podcast designed especially for those recovering from narcissists. Here, I teach you how to heal, how to feel lasting peace, lead with love, and create the life you want, no matter what you've been through or who is in your life. Hi, I'm Laura, by the way, and I'm the coach for people dealing with narcissists who have lost themselves trying to survive. It's time to get yourself back. Let's go. Hey folks, I am so excited to bring you step three, unconditional love. So exciting. But before we get into that, I want to shout out some more reviewers of the podcast. So exciting. So I've got two new reviews in and I just want to say thank you to both of you for taking the time not only to listen, but to leave a review. You are the best, seriously. So the first says, Great sound quality, even in public trains, soothing, powerful voice, and content for real struggles of mental health. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you for your kind words. It is so fun uh, to imagine this person who I don't even know listening to an episode on a public train. So if that's you and you're on that train, I'm happy that I can accompany you to wherever you're going. <laughs> that's just that's just the bee's knees. <laughs> what an honor. Okay, so the second one says, immediate connection. Laura is such a joy to listen to. It feels like connecting to a long lost friend. Highly recommend. Love the topics. So needed. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. It means the world to me that you feel that connection because I feel it too, friend. I know I don't see you. I know I don't hear you on the other end of this, but I know that you're there and I try to create things that you can really connect with and that really can help you. And so hopefully that's what we achieve here. So thank you so much, both of you for leaving that review. It means the world. And if anyone is listening and you really feel like these episodes have helped you, have changed your life, have contributed to you having a better day, please, I invite you to go ahead and leave that review so I know who was on the other end. All right. So welcome back to the series on healing from narcissist abuse. This is step three, unconditional love. We already talked about step one, taking responsibility for your own life, your own emotions, um, your thoughts, your your experiences, putting that into action, using step two with boundaries and how that is the truest form of a true relationship and the most loving way to show up for yourself and others. And now we move on to unconditional love, the antidote to all narcissism. All right. So this step is the most important step in my opinion. Let's say you forget all the other steps except this one. That's fine because this is, this is kind of the crown. This is kind of the big piece. The other steps provide important foundation and tools, but this is the one true healing balm in the entire process. So today's focus is going to be on self-love. In a future episode, I will talk about unconditional love for others. We might mention a little bit here, uh, but for now, we're going to focus on you because that's where the love is going to start. That's where everything is going to start to change is when it starts with you. I already did an episode on self-love, so this is kind of like Version 2.0, it's a little bit more in depth, a little bit more, I've got some affirmations at the end that are um, going to be a little bit, I don't know about better, (laughs) but there's going to be more of them. So it's going to be 2.0. It's going to be good. All right. Self-love. So loving yourself is a choice. Did you know that? It doesn't actually just happen to you or not. You are 100% 
able to choose to feel love for yourself in this moment, in the next moment, in the next 10 moments, that's 100% in your control. Love is to feel a oneness, a closeness, an appreciation, a positive regard for someone, for yourself, or for others. Love feels warm. It feels open and comforting. It can be felt deep in your heart, in your whole body, or it could even be as big as the room. Love is giving, accepting, compassionate, inviting, and including. It is delicious, and it is absolutely safe. What is unconditional self-love? Yes, there's actually a a slight difference, right? There's love in general, and then there's unconditional self-love. And it might be obvious, but if you are listening to this podcast, it is likely that you don't have a lot of firsthand experience with the concept of unconditional self-love. So today we're going to dive deep so that you can begin that process of creating that for yourself. Unconditional love means without conditions. In other words, you choose to love without regard to what is brought to the table. Loving others unconditionally means you don't take into account attributes in order to qualify for love. Things like appearance, actions, skin color, achievements or lack of achievements, character, words said or not said, beliefs, choices. It means you love someone exactly as they are, simply because they exist. No one ever has to qualify for you to deserve loving them, right? And the same, the same goes back to yourself. You don't, you don't require qualifications to love yourself. You just do. So when you love yourself unconditionally, you see all of you the good, the bad, the ugly, and you love and accept all of it exactly as it is because it is. There's nothing you could do to not qualify for love. There's nothing that can take away love for yourself because as long as you are alive and sentient, right, you feel love for you no matter what. Loving yourself unconditionally is a choice and it is a skill. You can choose this kind of love for yourself every single day. When you've been abused your whole life, or even for a short amount of time, the skill diminishes a little because when we are in survival mode, the luxury of loving oneself goes right out the window. Especially especially if we have not been taught this as children, we don't even have a concept of loving ourselves. Self-hate the opposite of self-love, right, develops as a survival mechanism when confronted with abuse and no other option. It feels so terrible to be abused, to be loved conditionally, that we develop self-hate as a way to protect ourselves from the hate that was given to us. The sacred vulnerability of a child was hijacked to make someone feel better. With narcissism specifically, because of their limitations. They only know how to show love in order to get what they want, which is usually to feel better. And that's not love. That's, that's a tool that they've developed in their tool belt to manipulate the, their environment so that they get to feel a counterfeit version of love 
but it feels better in the moment, so they continue to do it. So when a child who is literally dependent on love for survival is only loved conditionally, meaning that that child is loved only when the child performs to certain standards, she begins to internalize what she doesn't understand. How can this person love me in this way? It must be my fault. It must be me. And when the unmatured brain finds the problem, i.e. itself, it learns to hate itself so that it can both try to force it to change and protect itself from the vulnerability of not being loved fully, right? So when you are treated in a certain way, you're treated with hatred when you don't perform well, when something has gone wrong, when you have done something wrong, right? then that is extremely, extremely painful. And as the child matures and grows up, that message is internalized and then they become the person to themselves who hates themselves when they fail to live up to the standards that they have for themselves. So in a very real sense, people who have been abused by narcissists become a little bit narcissistic to themselves a little bit abusive to themselves. It's not intentional. And I don't say this to make you feel like you're a horrible person. You're not. I'm trying to show you how abuse creates abuse because we're just trying to survive and we don't see outside of the limited bubble that we are in when we are children. We cannot comprehend that there is more outside of it. And so this is how we adapt. We become like the abuse that was given to us. And so if you're struggling with self-hate, this is why. And it doesn't mean that something's gone terribly wrong. It just means maybe you could have a little bit of compassion for yourself because this is, you were taught by example. You were taught simply by being treated this way. This is how you treat yourself. All right. So let's say, for example, you have a narcissist mother. She knows or she shows love to you most of the time, except when you disagree or tell the truth that she doesn't want to hear, right? And then emotional hell rains down. She yells, she slams the door in your face. She leaves you, she screams at you. She says things like, how dare you? Don't you know what I've done for you? You are so disrespectful. How could you be so cruel? And on and on. Maybe time passes and she refuses to speak to you. She won't won't look you in the eyes. You feel like you're suddenly nothing to this person who you thought loved you like only a mother could. As a child, it is terrifying to be on the receiving end of this reaction. Your very primal instincts to survive kick in, and immediately you do what it takes to make the pain stop. Maybe you take back everything you said. Maybe you beg and you plead for forgiveness, or you cry and pound on the the door that's shut in your face, doing anything you can to get it open again and feel safe again. And then it works. She calms down, she believes you, she takes you in, and she loves you again. It worked. And in these moments, you have learned to erase yourself, to do whatever it takes to make sure you are loved again. But as a child, you don't understand the complexities of human emotion or of adulthood. All you know is that you fixed it. All you know is that you feel better now. And all you had to do was erase yourself. So this happens over and over and over again, a lifetime of fixing it and staying safe, of never speaking up, of always agreeing, of not having a true self, or at least, at the very least, keeping it hidden. You internalize the message that you on your own aren't good enough. And this morphs into self-hatred every time you see evidence that you fail to measure up. 
you start seeing your body as lovable or not, depending on how it looks, depending on how it measures up to certain standards, particularly in society, right? You start to see yourself as lovable or not, depending on your grades and your achievements. You start relationships with others who treat you terribly, and yet you play out this scenario with them over and over, erasing and fixing and keeping them loving you so you feel safe. Do you see how hate, how self-hatred and never good enough is a learned behavior? You weren't born with it. And you're not doomed to have it for the rest of your life if you do the work to unlearn it. Unconditional love is the answer. It is the cure. It starts with you. You must learn to love and accept all parts of you, no matter what, simply because you exist. You must teach yourself, specifically your subconscious brain, that you are fundamentally worthy of love, deserving of love, all the time, no matter what, and without exception. This is how you create true safety for yourself. It is the ultimate safety. Narcissists and those who don't love themselves are like buckets with holes in them. No matter how much you fill them up, it all leaks out and they keep seeking more and more and more from everyone around them. Their pain is so great, they can't see the person in front of them as a person who deserves love simply because they exist. They can only see the person in front of them as a potential resource to fill that bucket or not. But developing the skill of unconditional love is like patching that hole in the bucket. You are then responsible for filling up, and you do. And your bucket is always full. You're confident, you're calm, you're stable, and you're safe all the time. You never have to fear someone not loving you enough ever again. It is freedom and it is safety and it's created by you. You have the power. Isn't this amazing? It's the best news ever. Now to be clear, this doesn't mean that we reject others or we don't need others in our lives. Loving yourself unconditionally actually opens your world up to love for and from others. Think about that mom. When you love yourself unconditionally and all your love needs are already met, you can see her and love her for exactly who she is. She's simply a suffering person who just doesn't understand. It's okay. You can accept her for all she is, all her flaws, all her good traits too. You're here for all of it because it's not her job to make you feel loved. It's your job and you've done it. So It's unnecessary for her to change herself so that you can feel something. She can just be who she is. Now, does it mean, does it mean that you continue to be around her when she's abusive? Absolutely not. That is why we have boundaries, right? Back to step two. You can love someone from afar if that's what's safest for you. They might not agree with that stance, but that's okay. They don't have to. You love them anyway. You don't have to have their permission to do what you need to do for yourself. You don't have to have their love in order for you to take action because you already have love for yourself. So I get this question all the time. It's my favorite question. I think I may have talked about this in a previous episode, but it's still fun to talk about. Lara, if I'm responsible for myself emotionally and I love myself unconditionally, why do I even need to be in a relationship? What's the point? Uh, Specifically romantically, right? What's the point of even getting married? I love this question. Okay. It shows me that it shows me that that we as a society uh, think a certain thing about relationships, that, that relationships are there to fill our needs. 
And I just, I fundamentally disagree with this. Being in a relationship is about simply having the privilege of getting to love someone for a lifetime. I'll say that again, right? What if relationships are simply the privilege of loving someone, a person, an infinite person for life? You get to witness the profoundness of the person next to you every single day. It's an absolute miracle to be with someone who is infinitely other, who has a soul that sees out of their own eyes, has hopes and dreams, hurts and flaws, triumphs and struggles, and you get to witness it. You get to be there for them. It's a miracle. And they love you back. What an enormous gift, right? It's like, for those of you who have had children, you might be able to kind of connect with this a little better. When you bring a child into the world, this newborn baby is utterly precious simply because they exist, simply because they have arrived on the earth. They're this these gorgeous creatures who have their own souls that haven't developed yet, who have their own brains, who haven't learned yet. They have so much potential and they have so much goodness inside of them already. And they have so much just dependence on you, right? They're utterly dependent on you for, your, for their survival. And no one ever looks at a newborn baby, at least no decent, healthy human being ever looks at a newborn baby and says, oh, well, that baby has you know, brown eyes, that's too bad, right? That's what, you know, some horrible people do look like, look at babies and say, well, that's a girl baby. So that's too bad that, right. That's, that, that's terrible. We never would do that if we're normal, healthy people. And I want to offer that everyone around you is like that. you all your family members, your, the, the spouse that you choose to be with, the, the partner that you choose to be with in life is equally as precious and infinite and in potential and in lovability just as a newborn baby. When I adopted that um, mentality, everything changed in my marriage. I've been married to my husband, Ryan, now for 10 years. And it was not like that in the beginning. I used to think that he was put on this earth to, to fulfill my needs. And it's just not true. And, right? Because people just aren't very good at fulfilling our needs all the time, right? That we're just not perfect. And when we make it their job to fulfill our needs, we will be terribly disappointed, right? Your partner is not there for your pleasure. They're there because they chose to be there. And what a miracle it is that they have. When you love your partner unconditionally, you open your heart up even more to this person, especially if they're, if they're a safe space. If you're in a relationship with a person who is not a safe space, all right, you get to make a decision. And if you choose to love them unconditionally, it doesn't mean you have to stay with someone who isn't safe. It just means you get to love them from afar and allow them to make their choices without you around. It's really okay. It all fits. So what if it wasn't your job to make your partner happy? What if it wasn't their job to make you happy? What if you both just get to be happy together? This doesn't mean you never do nice things for them or give them thoughtful gifts. Yes, please. Let's shower our loved ones with things that they love. But notice the difference between showering someone you love with the things that make them happy, that, that, that they love, right? And being expected to do it, otherwise they don't love you. Those are two very different distinctions. Or, or, or what if they're never happy unless you do those things for them. 
that path and, and vice versa, okay? What if you're never happy unless your partner does things for you and reads your mind and 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 fulfills all of your unsaid expectations, right? Like if they fail to do that, then that opens you up to resentment and resentment is never a healthy part of a relationship. When you resent your partner, it's because you are blaming them for not managing your emotion, which was your job in the first place. So if you notice resentment coming up in your, in your relationship, it'll happen, right? We're all humans. Sometimes we resent our partners, especially our partners, okay? Our closest, most intimate relationships are the most important ones because it is there that we are our true selves. And when we are our true selves, <laughs> we are not perfect. <laughs> when we are our true selves, we're going to make mistakes. We're not going to be putting our best foot forward all the time. It's just not even possible. If you live with someone, if you've committed to someone for life, it's not possible to be perfect all the time. And, and it's not possible to hide your imperfections from them. Okay. So if you notice that resentment is coming up for you, that's okay. Be compassionate. Notice, reserve the judgment for yourself. Put the judgment aside for a second and notice where the resentment is coming from. What are you wishing that that person would do that they're not doing so that you can feel something? What are you trying to feel? And why is it their job and not yours? So it's a really good question to ask yourself. Unconditional love shows you the truth about people. It gets you out of the way so that you can really see what's going on. I'm talking about unconditional love for yourself. So when you really love yourself unconditionally, you, can now, you now have the ability to see what's really going on with the person in front of you. So when someone hurts you, they are attempting to make themselves feel better. And you can see that their hurt actually has nothing to do with you, even if they blame you even if they think you deserve the abuse. It doesn't mean that you tolerate abuse, of course. I just want to emphasize that loud and clear. Loving someone is not the same as tolerating abuse. Remember, it's your job to keep yourself safe. So you get to decide how and when you interact with this person and your love for them stays the same. Set your boundaries and follow through with them. People who don't understand unconditional love will probably not agree with all of these concepts. They see your compliance as love. They only see yes as love and not no. No is just as loving as yes, but when you say no to someone, that person, because of thoughts that they're having, not your thoughts, their thoughts in their brain, that person might feel some pain. It might be rejection, it might be loneliness, disappointment, or some other uncomfortable emotion that they're feeling. They might make your no mean something about your relationship. They might even say, wow, you really don't love me, right? Notice how this statement cannot possibly be true based on the word no, but that people use that statement all the time to encourage you to feel guilty, which they rely upon to motivate you, right? They, they, they rely on your guilt to motivate you to turn around and say yes so that they don't feel bad and you don't have to feel guilty anymore. See how you saying yes all the time solves everyone's problems? <laughs> and by solving problems, I mean it makes everyone feel better. And feeling better, we our brains love to feel better. That's just who we are. That's what we're wired to do. So it makes a lot of sense. But with unconditional love for yourself and others, 
you know that you're saying no is showing yourself love for you and for them. And you, and you can allow them to feel the emotion they're feeling and love them through it because you know that you don't have to feel guilt because you know that saying no is the most loving thing you can do. And just because they don't understand it, it doesn't mean you have to control the situation. You can just let it be as it is because you know how to love things as they are without changing them, right? Clear as mud, right? (laughs) So when you love yourself unconditionally, you no longer seek out others or use others to feel better about yourself. This is why it's the cure for narcissism. Narcissism is just deep inner self-hate. Many people think that narcissism is over self-love, right? People are obsessed with themselves. Narcissus, right, is the Greek mythological hero who fell in love with his reflection and was so in love with his reflection that he that he died or something. I don't know. <laughs> but what I want to show you is that narcissism is actually the opposite. It is self-hate masquerading around as self-love. It's using achievements, others' emotions, putting others down, feeling superior, hurting others, etc., all in the attempt to deal with the inner emptiness of self-hatred. If a narcissist can learn how to truly love themselves unconditionally, then they will cease all of their abusive behaviors. But until they figure that out, it's your job to apply the cure to yourself. That way you can heal the deep wounds for yourself. You can see yourself as you really are. You can see through the garbage that others throw at you and step into the acceptance, the forgiveness, the oneness that you always should have had from the beginning. I like to think of of um, the effects of abuse, especially when you are abused as a child, but it, it can apply to anyone who's been abused at any time in their life. But I like to think of it as uh, the, the survival mechanism that you developed to deal with the abuse. It separated you from yourself. You, you developed into two types of things. You developed into the thing that is worthy and the thing that is not. And you learned how to hate the thing that is not. Or you become the thing that is hateful towards the thing that is not. Right? It's this 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 deep separation um, in in your mind. I remember I used to have I used to have nightmares or dreams about kind of this entity that was dark and I realized that that entity appeared in itself in lots of other areas in my life, in my relationships particularly, but in lots of other areas too. And I was confused. I didn't know who this dark entity was. I mean, I'm not talking about a physical, actual dark entity, but I'm talking about a a psychological one that I could sense. And I wondered whose face belongs to this thing, this this part of me. Why, Why is it here? And then I realized that that face was mine that I had separated into two separate beings, right? That one was going to hate. One was going to survive the situation. It, it, it developed to survive. And once I learned to integrate that part back into myself, right? That's when I created the oneness of self-love, of the oneness of unconditional self-love. It's it was very healing and I'm still working on it. I'm not perfect, but 
I don't have those nightmares anymore because I know who I am. I have integrated myself. I think when you study, for example, dissociative identity disorder, I think this is a very, very extreme version of what I'm talking about, where people who have dealt with unimaginable constant abuse as children developed the ability to dissociate in multiple different ways, literally, where they literally become different people and their mind is able to separate so powerfully that they create completely different personalities. Sometimes these personalities speak different languages or play different instruments. It's fascinating and it is incredible that the brain is so powerful that it can do that. And if you are dealing with self-hate, right, there is a little bit of that dissociation happening with you and it's time to integrate, to come back, to bring it back into one and to love yourself for exactly who you are all the time, no matter what. So loving yourself doesn't mean that you never want to change or improve. Of course, we always want to get better. This is not a bad thing, but you cannot create growth from hate. Self-hate doesn't create getting better at things. Not really. It just creates more pain, which creates us doing things to deal with the pain instead of doing things to reach our goals. Accepting yourself as you are right now actually makes room to improve in the areas of your life that you want to improve. So for example, you can't hate yourself skinny. Trust me, I've tried. (laughs) At least not for long, right? And at least not in a way that creates a sense of of health. Um, I've seen people who I mean, this is why eating disorders develop, right? I struggle with eating disorders in my life. And I even um, was at an eating disorder clinic uh, for a few months where I witnessed other girls just like me who hated themselves into changing their bodies so that they can learn how to love themselves. But here's the problem. If you try to hate yourself skinny, when you get skinny, you still hate yourself. And these, these girls would continue and continue and continue. And that's why things like anorexia uh, will kill you because the, the mechanism, the program that I will hate myself until I deserve love, right, never actually fulfills the thing that it's trying to fulfill. You never actually qualify for love, uh, no matter how skinny you become. It's just, it's, it's a broken, uh, it's a broken program. It's a thought error. And so you can't hate yourself skinny. You can't hate yourself into more money. You can't hate yourself into a better relationship. You can't hate yourself into developing a better time management routine or cleaning your house more consistently. It just doesn't work. So you instead try loving yourself into change. Try accepting that however long it takes is however long it takes. And that's perfect. Improving yourself for the sake of enjoying the process and not so that you love yourself more when you get there. Instead of using self-improvement to self-medicate, you improve yourself for the joy of having an even better life all along the way. You have an amazing life now and for fun, you get to improve your life. Isn't that great? It's a win-win. If you're thinking things like, well, I'll reach my goal weight and then I'll love myself. Or when I get out of debt, I'll love myself more then. Okay, these are all lies. Be on to yourself. Love doesn't work that way. 
true love is unconditional. And these are conditions that you're putting on yourself, right? And I see why that we do this, because if we put these conditions on ourselves, okay, you don't get love until you reach this goal, right? It, it's, it's designed to motivate us to get to the goal, right? But what happens is you're not at the goal yet, so you don't deserve love yet. And when you don't deserve love, you're full of pain because it's really painful to think I'm not deserving of love, right? It's a fundamental need that we all have from birth to feel love so that we can survive. Love is part of our survival. And so if you are withholding love from yourself to motivate you to go get it, what you're actually doing is creating pain. And here's the thing. This is how your brain works. Your brain, when it feels pain, is designed to deal with the pain right away. So you're creating a a pain that gets in front of the goal and your brain is motivated to deal with the pain first rather than get to the goal, right? So it's going to eat those cookies. It's going to be motivated to eat the cookies right now because you're in so much pain because you hate yourself instead of going to the gym, right? And eating some carrots (laughs) so that you can actually reach your goal weight, right? And then you hate yourself more because you're further from your goal. And the more hatred you have for yourself, the more you want to do things to make yourself feel better. Like stay on the couch underneath a blanket and watch Netflix. Those are self-comforting behaviors. Eating the cookies, eating the cake, right? That comforts you. That makes your brain able to deal with the current pain that you're having. So it's, it's an error, right? It's like, oh, if I create this pain for myself, I'll be motivated to do the right things, but it's not true. At least it won't be very sustaining. Um, so it's time to drop the conditions. It's time to drop the, the, the carrot on the end of the stick, right? Just give yourself the carrot and, and, and love yourself all the way through. Why do you want to reach this goal? Ask yourself, what... What are you going to feel when you reach that goal? And here's the trick. Here's the million dollar solution. Feel that way now before you get to the goal. And this is how you get to the goal. Isn't that like mind blowing? Wait, what? Wait, I'm allowed to feel like I've reached my goal weight before I ever reach my goal weight? Yes. Fill your body up with those delicious emotional chemicals of what it feels like to be at your goal weight. And I promise you, you will get to your goal weight way faster than if you hated yourself to getting to your goal weight. Just try it. This is not a weight loss podcast, (laughs) but it is, right? Weight loss is a really great example of, of of a goal that we all try to set, maybe not all of us, but, but, but a lot of us, right. Um, wish to be a certain weight, right. Or maybe it's money or maybe it's a promotion or maybe it's finding that relationship that you're, that, excuse me, that you're, that you're searching for. What kind of relationship do you want? Who do you want to be with? What are you going to feel? What are you going to get to feel when you get to be with that person? Feel that way now. And I promise you, you will be more likely to attract that person into your life than if you hated yourself into finding that relationship. So I say experiment with it. Just try it out. Lara said this weird thing that I get to feel the way I want to feel at the end of my goal right now and see what it creates for you. I'd love to hear about it. 
So here's how to build the skill of unconditional self-love in your life, right? We start with our thoughts. The way your subconscious mind works is that over time, the same messages that get sent over and over and over through your prefrontal cortex, right, sink deep into the lower parts of your brain and start functioning without your conscious awareness, because we can only process so much at the same time. And in order to be able to survive, our brain has developed this amazing ability to process things outside of our conscious awareness. So in order to get some leverage over those mechanisms running behind the scenes, we bring those to the surface. If you're able to do this exercise right now, I want you to stop and get some paper and a pen. If you can't do it right now, maybe pause the episode and come back to it when you're able to spend the time writing. So we're going to do a little exercise. All right, so take your pen and paper and write out as much as possible about what you think about yourself. So ask yourself the question, what do I think about myself? And be honest. It can be both good and bad. Anything that comes to your mind, get it out on paper. Don't judge yourself. Don't um, censor yourself. Okay? Get fully present with exactly what's going on in your brain and get it all down on paper. You might write half a page. You might write five pages. I don't know. Get it all out. So your mind is going to have a lot of evidence to back up the thoughts that you're writing about yourself. That's why you have them. And so the next thing we're going to do is we're going to identify the evidence of why you feel the way you do, why these thoughts are what you think. So look at what you've written, good and bad, positive and negative, and decide it's absolutely perfect. All of it is. It really is. So it is really important, I want to emphasize that you refrain from judging yourself for the thoughts that you're having. Just let that go for a minute. Both good and bad, all of it is on the paper. Okay, so the next step is to read over everything that you've written and find one or two sentences that create a visceral reaction in your body. What is the emotion that comes to the surface when you think this particular thought? This emotion and identifying this emotion is critical. The lower parts of your brain, where, which is where emotion is created and sent out to the rest of your body, that is the fuel that drives all of your actions. So it's really important to identify this emotion and then process it out. Allow it to be in your body. So I recommend taking one of the sentences in, your, in what you've written down particularly a negative one, a really powerfully negative sentence, and really just feel what it feels like to have that sentence cross your mind. Um, It's important that you allow this emotion to be present in your body without making it go away. So be prepared. It might be a little bit uncomfortable. It might be shame. It might be fear. One of the most powerful emotions that I experience when I do this exercise is despair. Despair, it cuts deep. When I feel despair, my chest caves in. There's a darkness in my body. I want, I I just, I just heave and and cry and grieve. It's just this, this feeling of despair for me is one of the most powerful emotions that I feel negatively. And it's definitely one that my brain does not want me to feel. It tries to protect me from this emotion. So this exercise is really important. Identify a really painful emotion you're trying to avoid and the sentence that goes along with that emotion. Allow this emotion, this negative and painful emotion to be your friend, right? It appeared 
to protect you a long time ago. That's what negative emotion is. It's not a punishment. It's not a thing that you're supposed to get rid of all the time. It's actually a really important part of being human. And allowing this negative emotion to come to the forefront teaches you the truth about yourself. It, it can be a friend that you invite to the table because it was designed to protect you. And you can thank that negative emotion and be present with it and not try to force it to go away. So when you process emotion, what that means is you allow the feeling to be there without forcing it to go away. You feel what it feels like. Come home inside your body, close your eyes, feel where the emotion is. Is it in your chest? Is it in your shoulders? Is it in your back? Is it in your head? Is it in your jaw? Where does the emotion concentrate? Then ask yourself, what color is it? What texture is it? You know, really describe as if you were to describe this emotion to an, an alien from outer space who doesn't understand emotion. How would you describe it to this person? What would be, what, what are some words that, that, that define it and, and make it real? You know, that the shape, the color, the texture, is it moving? Does it have a vibration? Is it really um, tight and closed or is it open and inviting? See if you can describe, write this down, see if you can describe the emotion, this very powerful emotion in your body all the way through as much as possible. This is processing the emotion out, allowing it to be there allows the emotion to properly process because our bodies are designed, our bodies are processors. Our brain is a processor. Our, our, our bodies are processor. Our, our, our systems are constantly moving and emotion is chemicals that starts in your brain and, and goes throughout your body. And it's not designed to stay there. It's just, it's designed to, to arrive and then to leave all on its own. But what happens is when we make our emotions a problem and when we, we try to force it to go away, it actually stays longer. But if you really lean into it and you accept the negative emotion in your body as just sensation, as just feeling, right? It's not a problem. It actually releases the, the tension that you have and it allows your body to fully process it out on its own and it actually takes not a long time to do it. And so you'll know when the emotion has properly processed out, pro, sorry, processed out, when you feel a calm, steady stillness. Like it's as if you've just been a little bit deflated, <laughs> not in a bad way, but just like your body is just kind of still. It's, it's not a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. It's a very neutral, very still emotion or feeling in, in your whole body. When you reach that point, then you can move forward and create new thoughts that create unconditional love in your body. Isn't that exciting? Right? So try this practice, see how it goes. And it is a practice and we're not going to be perfect at it. Right? So don't expect perfection at this very uh, intense uh, emotional processing exercise because number one, you've never been taught to do it. So <laughs> it's really, it's really a new thing and your brain's not going to love it because it's designed to avoid pain. So it's, it might fight you on the process. It's okay. Just try it and maybe try it again later. You know, give yourself a chance to absorb the newness of it and 
if it's not perfect, it's really okay. And so moving forward, when you want to create new thoughts, new emotion, and teaching your lower brain to create that process of unconditional love constantly without your conscious awareness of it, this is what you do. You start with new thoughts. So here are some thoughts that work for me. Try these on. Maybe try to come up with a few on your own. You can even look at your painful thoughts that you've written down in the previous exercise and see if you can kind of flip them around or if they can inspire you to create the opposite. Um, Have fun with it, play around with it, and um, see what it creates for you. All right, so here's some really good thoughts. Ready? I love me. How does that feel when you think I love me? Is it neutral? Is it... Is, 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 is a calm washing over your body? Does it make you angry? Just notice, okay? Here's another one. I accept me fully and completely. I trust me. I am safe with me. I always have my own back. I always take care of me. I love me simply because I exist. I am infinite and valuable beyond measure of her. I belong to love and love belongs to me. I will always create love for me, no matter what. Exactly as I am is exactly as I should be. I am perfect. I am good enough for me always. I forgive me. All the love I'm looking for is right here. What are you feeling right now? What emotion is in your body right now? Just be aware of it. So my suggestion to you is to repeat this process over and over as long as it takes. Don't be afraid of your negative thoughts. They show you the truth and they are your friends. Allow them to come to the table so that we can make room for these new ones. Unconditional love is learned and your brain is so advanced, its power of neuroplasticity lasts until old age. You can learn, starting today, how to truly love yourself. This is how you do it, with thoughts that connect to the emotion in your body. Keep going. And watch your whole life start to change. Reach out to me for help if you need it. That's what I'm here for. All right? So that's it for the today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Next time, we will discuss step four, mind management. This is the nitty-gritty of coaching. This is the tools, the methods I use with all my clients. And they're really simple. We kind of went through a coaching process just now with this exercise, but the next step we'll definitely dive into the mechanics of it and also the reasoning behind it. And they're really simple. And I promise you it's going to be fun. All right. Hope you have a fantastic day and I'll talk to you then. Bye. Hey there. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, working one-on-one with me just might be what you're looking for. I invite you to book a consultation. It's a free one-hour conversation focused entirely on your situation that will change your life. 
email me directly at laura at bythewaycoaching.com to get started. Can't wait to see you soon.